Hello everyone, it's Roger from There Be Giants and welcome back to another episode of Giant Talk. And I'm particularly excited about today because we're getting the chance to spend some time with uh, a gentleman from an organisation which I've been a huge fan of. Uh, I feel like a bit of a groupie today. A huge fan of for many years uh, and uh, they focus on nothing but um, values and culture and that is often, as as many of you will know, what undermines the majority of change initiatives uh, out there in in organisations. So uh, I would like to introduce you all to Tom Rausch, who is Director of Consulting for the Barrett Value Centre. Tom, welcome to Giant Talk. Thank you, Roger. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're very happy to have you too. So, uh, without further ado, maybe if you could start off by just sharing with the listeners a bit about you, a bit about what you do now, what you've done before, and then maybe a bit about BBC itself. Sure. Happy to do that. Well, I, I, my roots go back to uh, a master's program in adult continuing ed- education. Back uh, when I was doing that in the early 80s, that was an unusual thing for adults to continue learning. And uh, that took me into the corporate world of learning and development. I ended up focusing on development uh, of sales executives. And after a few years of doing that, um, I left that to become an entrepreneur and grew a tech business with my wife, Kathy, and we made children CD-ROMs and we morphed into an internet company. CD-ROMs, that puts a date on it. Yeah, and uh, (laughs) they were called talking books back then. And then something (laughs) called the World Wide Web came out and we were were well positioned uh, to ride that wave and built up that company to to, uh, about 30 employees. And then I sold that to a... We sold that to a, a marketing firm, a, an advertising firm, and that then allowed me to return to my first love, which is you know helping adults grow and thrive, and particularly in um, in business because I feel that business is needs to be an agent of world benefit. I feel the world is going through you know huge change right now, and I'm doing everything I can to uh, impact that in a positive way because I think business is a, is a key lever to get that done. And when I was able to return to that, it was about 2008. Um, that's when I discovered Barrett's and Barrett's uh, culture assessments. I When I got back into the business of being a consultant to organizations for leadership and culture, I needed to get some certification. So I looked at all of the tools available for leadership development and culture measurement. And Mm -hmm. um, I really fell in love with the Barrett tools. Like you, I was a fanboy back then because um, the Barrett model is a universal mirror and map of how all human beings and all human systems grow and evolve. And if you understand how a healthy human being or a healthy human system grows and evolves, that is a beautiful pattern on which to look at yourself look at your organization and decide, oh, what's our next level? What's what's holding us back? What's our next level for moving forward? And uh, Barrett has always had the mission of transforming business, of making business an agent of world benefit. And um, uh, when they called me a couple of years ago I, um, and asked me to come on as director of consulting yeah. and, how, and help them reinvigorate their this original mission of truly transforming business to a new business paradigm, 
uh, I was all in. And that's really the, the work I love doing right now and, and focused on. That's that, that's really interesting. So you say refocus um, on organizations, because I know Barrett works with um, not just businesses, but organizations of a, many different shapes and sizes. Sure. Um, in fact, you might even say works with some countries as well, because you work with governments, don't you? That's right. We work with government agencies. We've, we do national assessments. Um, personally, though, in the consulting arm where I focus, I focus on working with the very largest consulting companies across the globe and the very largest brand names across the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, that was what I was doing in private business. So that's kind of my natural area of, of interest and expertise, because, you know, if you help an organization of 250,000 employees or 500,000 employees transform, that you get that cascading impact. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Okay. So, you know, from the tools that you have, obviously you use those each time there's an engagement and it's not just obviously the work that you do directly yourselves as the value sensor. You've also got, like myself, you know, a whole network of trained consultants uh, across the across the globe using your tools as well. So you must sit on an absolute goldmine of data around <laughs> culture and organizational culture on, on such like we do yeah we've been collecting data we're celebrating our 25th anniversary this year we've been at this for 25 years and we always keep uh, a fresh database of the last 10 years of data so that we can look at trends and how things have been changing because as your viewers your listeners may not know um we do collect values data. We ask people questions like what values are most important to you? And they mm-hmm. get a list of a hundred values and they select the top 10. Then we say, ask them, what values do you see going on when you go to work on Monday morning in your culture? And that gives us another shot of what, how are they experiencing that at work? And then the third question is, is really the gold question for people trying to make improvements to their culture and their leadership style and their well-being of their employees. And that's what values will take us to the next level. So yeah, we have all that data. And I was just recently reviewing all of that because we we did a workplace evolution study uh, when COVID hit to see, you know, the dramatic change that we've been through in the past two, three years since mm. the pandemic. Uh, and it, it is kind of fascinating what's happened. So I'm assuming that you probably, I wouldn't be surprised if you have these on a on a screen on the wall somewhere that shows a changing dynamically, but do you do you keep the the current top ten that people are saying are the most important to 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 them? Do you keep those, you know, front and center in terms of your data that you're tracking? That's it. You know, it is interesting. We watch that internally. Um, one of the things that's a little different about Barrett is is we don't prescribe. You know, there's no such thing as the best top ten. But we do look at what the trends are and what's going on and the the big themes. I was reviewing the top 10 in preparation for our talk today. And um, the thing, I, I would say the themes, there's there's a couple of themes that really jump out that have, and these have changed a little bit since the pandemic. One big theme is care about me, truly care about me as an employee and understand who I am. Uh, another one is give me work with meaning. Right. Um, give me work that where I can feel fulfillment. Employee yeah. fulfillment has jumped into the top ten. It was ne- it was never in the top ten consistently That's really interesting. In, in, yeah. in years past. Yeah. 
yeah. And, you know, looking at this, you know, we are an OKR podcast, of course, so looking at this through an OKR lens, um, a lot of organizations choose to use OKRs or something like OKRs because they start to appreciate that alignment is is really important to try and instill that that sense of purpose and that sense of meaning. Mm-hmm. You know, in large organizations where you've got a lot of people, it's very easy. I remember myself when I when I worked in an organization of fifteen thousand people. You know, I very much saw part of my responsibility as being enabling my team to and and all those that worked for me to 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 understand just how important their contribution was because they were so far removed from the final impact or the end product and and, and so that you know the larger the organization becomes the more the, the more of a challenge it is to give that meaning isn't it so you, you really hit it on the head there, I think, in, in particularly in large organizations where you are far removed, you know, mm, per, mm. perhaps from the seeing the end results of your work. That that mm. is crucially important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like I said, using the the, the the process of alignment is is something which we've seen takes. Yeah, it doesn't happen at the snap of a finger or, 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 or overnight, for that matter. It takes time from you know the initial discussion to actually then agreeing what needs to be done to then actually working on what needs to be done. That whole process, you know, and yet we still come across leaders nowadays who think that they can they can write a whole cascade of objectives that then just get pushed down the business and they say right that's, everything's aligned <laughs> right right and it, and that's another key aspect i think you're hitting on and the barrett values model is is evolutionary it's seven levels of consciousness and how we approach business the the, the foundational three levels of how do we survive how do we have good relationships customer relationships how do we become efficient that's traditional scientific management and yeah. that's been passed down to us from um, you know the military the the churches everything that's been organized hierarchical and that's really what you know most business schools taught over the last 100 years so mm. it's it's no surprise that uh, many leaders think that they can command and control their way to success but that's the big shift that's been happening and it's been going on for years when I first got into this 15 years ago, I could see the global companies were making this shift from traditional scientific management to also embrace leadership, Mm. from telling people what to do to also coaching them and developing Mm. them. Mm. And I think as a practitioner of the OKR approach, you understand the value of leaving the some of the how <laughs> to the employees of coaching them to say this is the end result we want. Oh, completely! But you solve your problem, and that's completely. leadership. Completely, yep. completely, and that goes right down uh, to the core of how you to the, to the detail of how you write your key results. That's right. Because if you write them as we want you know do x by y yeah that that's that's um that that's an instruction in many that's ways right. if it's if it's written just as this is what we want to achieve 
And actually, we're going to leave it open for all those that could possibly align into that to work out the solution for it. Because you know what? You're closer to the solutions than we are. That's exactly you know, it. We, that, recruit, that. we recruited you in the first place because of <laughs> right. your skills and your knowledge and your expertise. Right. So um, we trust you to put those to work. That's you know? exactly right. That's um, exactly right. Yeah. So em- empower me to do that. Give me, mm. give me, you know, give give me the direction. Give me clarity. You yeah. know, that's that's absolutely needed. But then empower me and trust me, yeah. and show me you trust me by uh, leaving it up to me. And uh, you know that then leads when you when you adopt a coaching style, which is what mm. I would call that a coaching style yeah. rather than a telling style. Um, that can then lead to all of the other good things that can open up. Because if I am coaching you around your performance, right, performance coaching to to achieve your your goals, your OKRs, mm-hmm. I can also coach you to think about your career mm-hmm. and think about your own development and think about how does how does the work you do bring meaning to your life? How and you know how can you create work life? Uh, if not work-life balance, at least at least work-life harmony mm. or work-life integration, where the work you do, do does have meaning. Mm. Um, there's there's also you know the bigger context of, uh, and this is another shift that's become more and more important as people wake up to the importance of sustainability and yeah. some of the higher level values. Is people want to work for companies they can be proud of? Yes. Um, Consumers want to buy from companies who they feel are doing, you know, not just best in the world at what they do at offering a great product or service at a great price, but also best for the world. Mm. So that at least they're not doing harm to the world uh, Mm. and and maybe they're giving back. And those kind of conversations are coaching conversations. And, you know, they don't typically happen in a command and control environment, but they really open up in a leadership, a servant mm. leadership environment where the leader recognizes I'm here to develop my people and guess what? They want to be developed. And that that's how you tap into their engagement. That's how you tap into their, um, their extra effort, but it's also how you help them find fulfillment. And if mm. you can, if you can help employees find fulfillment now, you're going to be winning the talent wars of he, trying to trying to attract and retain the best. Yes, yes, and I, and you know I'm, I'm, I make no apologies for for banging on about it because I see this all the time when OKRs are, work, are used really well. It's not just the um, the co- as you say the the sort of in, in inherent coaching approach that they encourage. It's also because there's a complete transparency around results. Yes. And that and that and you know achievement is a big part of fulfillment as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. People, you know, there's a tendency when we say, "Oh, coaching," rather than telling, like we're saying, "Oh, you only coach and you, you care about people. You don't, you don't, you don't hold them responsible to the results." Well, yes, you do, right? Yes. So yeah. it's a combination of both, right? It's it's giving absolute clarity. Um, communicating when things seems to be going off base, having that honest three, you know, feedback, um, yeah, creating, you know, a learning environment where we're all learning together and we're all catching ourselves if we're going, you know, making mistakes or going off track, hmm. admitting it to each other, yeah, and and writing it right, yeah, yeah, yeah. as a team, yeah. Yeah. and and that that leads me to something which we find from a cultural. Uh, 
perspective is is absolutely crucial to to OKRs being successful for an organization. And that's around um, psychological safety. Yes. So, you know, you, t- you mentioned there about people being uh, safe enough to, to, to be open and have those um, candid conversations. You know, the true value in OKRs is not about, you know, it doesn't matter whether you have the most beautifully written and perfect set of OKRs in the world. If you're not having regular conversations around them, they're not doing anything for you. So um, I'm just wondering from a, from a culture and a, and a values point of view, are you seeing anything in the in in the data that's telling you that um, uh, psychological safety is 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 thriving out there, or is it or is it lacking out there? It might not surprise you to say both. <laughs> um, so, one of the interesting things we did when COVID hit, we thought let's do a global survey and let's mm. let's reach out to people and say. Um, so we did a special survey of. Uh, remember back to three months ago, <laughs> what were the values you were experiencing mm-hmm. and what are you experiencing now, right? And so we were able to get a snapshot at that time of um, pre-COVID and then, you know, the it was May of 2020, right? Right in the height of the uncertainty, right? Everything kind of shut down in March and we're getting measurements in May. And the organizations that had made the shift, it was remarkable. What we saw was what would normally take maybe three, four, five years of, of conscious transformation if we were trying to create psychological safety, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We were trying to put that into our system. would normally take time for training and adapting and people showing up in new ways. happened almost overnight because we were forced to. You know, we were forced into trust because we all had to start working yeah. from home or a yeah. greater amount of us. Or even if we were deemed, um, you know, uh, essential and we were showing up and doing construction. I was doing some consulting work with a construction company at the time. And the caring that happened, right, yes. the concern for health yeah. that happened, like, turned on immediately, except for those that it didn't, right? So for... The approximately 60% of our respondent and, you know, our survey we did got that and made that huge transformation. The ones that stayed in fear, right? And basically one definition of psychological safety is what, how much fear is in the system. Mm -hmm. And um, if you stayed fearful uh, and you as a leader or as a leadership team, you know, couldn't offer the caring, the vulnerability, the, the, the we're in this together, um, then that was negatively impacted. But the ones who got it saw a huge rise in employee engagement and appreciation for yeah, I mean, trust as a, and leadership. Yeah, but that, and that's it, it's, it's interesting that that was kind of like the jolt. It was the accelerator for it, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as you know, as as a business leader myself, I, I can very much relate to what you you were saying. The data told you ha- was happening at that point, and because I felt that my well, my urge was to make sure that my team felt safe and were yeah. were looked after and cared for. Because right, coming back to the the the, the structure of the of of the model, the Barrett model, you know, you have basic needs that sit at level one. And if and 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 if if they're not being attended to, then all bets are off. That's exactly right. And the smart leaders figured that out. Is like so. 
Barrett says we operate at seven levels of need, of human need, the basic survival, the relationship, the self-esteem, getting things done, and then up into authenticity, teamwork, collaboration, you know, the upper levels. And what happened when COVID hit was every single one of us started paying attention to the level one and level two needs, right? All of a sudden health and safety and family Mm. at level two became more and more important. And the organizations that not only respected that, but celebrated it Mm. and and made it a key part of the way we're going to get through this together. They're the ones who continue to thrive and who made it Mm. through COVID relatively well. And of course we know some didn't. So I'm I'm curious to see how much of this has stuck, so to speak, since <laughs> since the shift, or whether we've yeah. kind of reverted back. You know, in in terms of um, again creating that right that right uh, environment, that right that right culture for OKRs to work well. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of organisations want to use them for innovation. Uh, yes. And that and that requires a degree of of, of uh, controlled risk taking, learning mm-hmm. the chance of uh, some some moderate failure perhaps happening, and yep. being able to work with that and 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 uh, bounce back from it. Yes. Are Are you seeing anything in the data now that's telling you that perhaps that shift that took place um, over COVID has stayed in place, and therefore we're we're maybe seeing more innovation now as a result of that? Are you seeing yeah. anything around that? Yeah, we are. We've seen a general shift up into the innovation and the things you're talking about there, continual learning, Mm. learning from mistakes, being vulnerable. Those all exist uh, at levels like four and five. And and we've seen this shift up from just being the best in the world, which is level three. I want to be great at what I do. And those Mm. foundational things are important, obviously, Mm. with with business. But now there's been a recognition uh, for the ones that are doing well that, um, no, we have to, we also have to allow for mistakes. We have to, as a leader, admit our own mistakes and be a little vulnerable and, you know, lead by example, showing, hey, I make mistakes too. And and that kind of transparency um, is what encourages and makes psychological safety stick. Because if mm. you've been in a place where it hasn't been safe to tell the truth or it hasn't been safe to, to point out errors and problems, um, that takes a while to get over. And what it takes to get over is, is leadership by example. And I think, you know, in the news, we see, we typically see the stories of the opposite. We see yeah. the stories of the organizations that are, you know, are not, <laughs> moving towards psychological safety, but in some ways are reverting and trying to uh, regain the old command and control. So there is definitely that going on. But the great places to work, the people who continue to understand that a, a wholly human way of doing business is what's important. And, and I, I, I think that's an important takeaway. I'd like the listeners to understand mm. is that the Barrett model looks at the whole human being, the seven levels. Yes, we need survival. We need family. We need self-esteem and doing well, but we also need teamwork. We need to feel part of a community. We need mm. to feel belonging. We need to feel our work has meaning. And that is the, that those full spectrum human needs need to be paid attention to. And one other thing I'd throw at you is one of the things we encourage our clients to do when they engage with with our model and our services is consider KPIs and OKRs at all seven levels. Yeah. So so don't just set goals, you know, at 
at financial performance, set goals at at other levels, giving back to society. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point, actually, Tom. And I'm I'm seeing more and more uh, initiatives like um, B Corp, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, be exactly. be widely embraced. Yeah. Uh, and I I wouldn't be surprised if we get to a point in the not too distant future where B Corp becomes a requirement for pitching for um, you know being invited to tender for some for, for various different contracts. You know, maybe even government government contracts. Yeah, the that that's true. We also see it in the finances. Is that organizations that don't have us that don't have goals around sustainability? Yeah, and, you know, both societal and environmental mm-hmm. aren't going to be able to get money. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and there's there's currently there's pressure from consumers and and you know other stakeholders in that. But it, it's it's going to get to the point, I believe, where. Um, only those people who take in full spectrum are going to be able to operate in, the, in which the inc- which requires some very enlightened leadership doesn't it <laughs> exactly <laughs> and, and and I'm glad you brought that up because uh, we call it you know we we look at four areas of alignment we look at four journeys of alignment and integration you know us and most people know us as a culture company right and, mm-hmm. and certainly aligning your culture with your strategy is important mm-hmm. but when we and we also know most business leaders are focused on the, the the business journey they're focused on kpis metrics they're focused on processes for improvement their focus is on the external results and that's great and important and the culture properly aligned and integrated will support that or not right if Mm -hmm. it's not aligned you won't get that but you also have to be aligning um your uh, career path for all of your employees because everybody wants to be developed everybody all good talent wants to work at a place where they're recognized where they're valued where they're cared for and where they're developed and that's the career journey that mm. the HR people and chief people officers need to worry about. But there's the the most important and what I would consider the cornerstone is the personal journey of enlightened leadership, the personal journey of looking at your own strengths and weaknesses. We all have a learning edge. Mm. We all have blind spots and 360 feedback and developing myself as a leader and developing my leadership team, that is actually the cornerstone. And then when you're doing that, mm-hmm. then it can all come together. And it's, in some ways, it's the hardest thing. You know, everybody knows how to look at the strategy and the KPIs, and most people are starting to get, yeah, this is this is how we develop people, and, and people are waking up to culture. But that, that importance of every leader and every person in the organization being encouraged to look at their own psychological, social, emotional development mm-hmm. so that we can all, because the world is not getting easier, right? The, no, it isn't. <laughs> the volatility, the uncertainty, the complexity, the ambiguity, we, we all need to be working on ourselves so that we can be the type of leader who people can look to and count on that we're not going to revert to fear-based behaviors out of our own triggers. Yeah, which you know, when we're faced with threats to our own health and well-being, yeah. can 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 be very easy to do. Can be very easy to do. Um, yep. 
I mean, the thing I've always loved about the value sensor and the tools that you have is that uh, you you have managed to make the intangible tangible. <laughs> you know that 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 thing that we can all feel, but can't actually touch. That's right. Because uh, you don't you don't see it. No, you don't, you don't. exactly. Um, yeah. And and uh, you know you get a lot of uh, senior executives who are still you know a fair need a fair amount of convincing as to you know why this should be focused on and invested in and i i i don't worry i'm not going to i'm i'm not going to pinpoint you with a with a, uh, a a specific question on this but i just i've looked up um, a a piece from a um uh, an article that richard wrote about 10 years ago actually um when he was looking at the impact of the last recession okay mm-hmm. 2008 and, yeah 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 and, and then looking at the the um uh the shareholder uh, uh the, the 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 performance of um yeah. uh, uh share prices in the s p 500 he, he's he saw that um for for organizations that were making a significant um investments in um you know managing their culture uh, that they had a higher rate of return and also recovered faster for, from the they, they recovered uh, within a year back to their pre meltdown share value. Yeah. Um, whereas those that didn't, those that weren't considered to be people focused, um, took three years. Yeah. Um, so it's you know in terms of what's the ROI on these these types of things, I think there's a there's a really compelling piece of piece of uh, piece of work that he did there, which is 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 a really interesting one. Yeah, that was that was that was a great piece of work then, and it's it's interesting. I'm looking at a graph right now because I'm giving a talk next week uh, mm. on culture and uh, 08, where we did the little downturn. The the impact of the difference of the companies who are who make these lists, whether it's I'm looking at a, a chart of the hundred best companies to work for, mm. happens to be, which is a FTSE Russell kind of thing. Um, there's the, so the hundred best, the Russell 1000, and the Russell 3000. And from 08 to 2021 here, that the, the top producers who are the best to work for are outperforming by a factor of 3.3 to those who didn't make that list. Um, uh, the very top is 2,300% better. Wow. And, and the worst is 691% better mm. uh, of those differences. So the organizations that have can, you know, continue to embrace the whole human caring, you know, cause that's who gets voted the best companies to work for the employees yeah. who say these people are great. Um, so yeah, yeah it, con- it continues to be, and that's why I have ultimate faith that those are the organizations that are going to win out because they're winning. Mm. Right. So, so caring for people is one of the best ways to increase profits. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Listen, so I think, uh, we, we, we're, we're approaching the end of, of our conversation. So I, I'd like to ask at the end, uh, if, if he, uh, our guests can offer a, just one takeaway that, to, to our listeners to ensure that they could kind of build on what they've heard today. And mm-hmm. so in terms of, so let's think that let's, let's kind of frame this as if, if, if someone listening to us today wanted to, 
build the best possible culture for OKRs and obviously people to yep. thrive in. What's yep. what's the one takeaway you would offer? Yeah, well, I already alluded to it earlier. I think it's lead by example. Be mm. on your own journey of evolution and growth. We all have that learning edge. We all have those blind spots and triggers. Work on your own issues. It's what I do. <laughs> um, because when I show up as a role model, I show up as the best person I can be. I show up being able to like um, process my triggers very quickly and not <laughs> not press them out <laughs> onto other people. I, when I show up as authentic and vulnerable, that's the type of boss you want to work for. And I would challenge everybody else to think about this. I mean, that now we know the neuroscience behind this. We know all of the reasons that this works in business, but intuitive leaders have always known this, right? Mm. The very best leaders that I've worked with over the years, uh, never read a management book, but they yeah. just showed up as servant leaders. They just knew that taking care of their people and being honest and vulnerable and, and admitting your mistakes is, is the way to go. So that, that would be my advice. Okay. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. And if any of our listeners would like to uh, reach out to you, how can they How can they do that? Yeah, the best way is uh, just email me at tom at valuecenter.com. And that center is spelled the European way with uh, C-E-N-T-R-E.com. Uh, I also have a pretty big LinkedIn profile and, and post pretty regularly on there. So if you go to LinkedIn slash in and then slash Tom Rausch, T-O-M-R-A-U-S-C-H, you can um, you can hook up with me on, on LinkedIn too. Brilliant. Well, on behalf of all our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. I've really enjoyed the chat. It's always good to talk to a fellow BDCer. Uh, and uh, yeah, we we look forward to perhaps maybe welcoming you back on again at some point in the future. Yeah, I, I'm so thrilled, uh, Roger. I think I think the work you're doing with OKRs is really quite brilliant, and um, I look forward to figuring out ways that we can we can help uh, promote your work uh, uh, as well as our approach uh, to make the world a better place. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much, All right. Tom. All right, take care. <laughs>